Hey, sports fans, I've got a new show on SB Nation Radio. That's right, a national terrestrial radio show every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern. So tune in on your local FM station or stream it live from SBNationRadio.com. I'll also post the show right here as a podcast the next day. You in? It's the B-Ball Breakdown with Coach Nick on SB Nation Radio. And online at SBNationLive.com. Coming to you live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Coach Nick. Hey, sports fans. What's up? It's Coach Nick here. I am a little bit of a under the weather, I suppose we can call that. I got a battling a cold here, so I got a uh, different kind of voice, but I'm same information for you. We're going live on Periscope. We got live over here on SB Nation Radio. Uh, we have a great show tonight. I'm really excited. I got some really good guests coming up. Uh, well, the first guest will be Mike Zavano, who is a really great X's and O's guy who I interact with quite often on Twitter, and he's going to talk a little bit about the Cavs for us. Later on, we're going to have a really special guest I'm very excited about, Emio Tomioni, who is uh, also known as the NBA Storyteller. Makes some of the best storytelling NBA videos I've seen out there, and I'm sure uh, you might not have seen him yet, but you will once you hear him talk and uh, come on the show. So I'm really excited about that. And our last segment uh, later on this out this hour will be with Dave Dufour, my partner in crime. So... Um, we have a lot of great stuff coming at you. Uh, I am prepping a really cool video about whether or not the NBA is taking too many threes. Yes, I know, it's almost sacrilegious, but you never know what happens when I get uh, into the editing stuff. So we, we'll have a lot to talk about there, and I will have to find out whether or not uh, we should be taking more threes. There's some really compelling evidence, and I'm interested to see why corner threes are going down, uh, a lot of interesting things there, uh, and why the quicker threes are going up and why they're shooting so much better. So the only question there is, are we ruining the game by just jacking up shots so often and so early? So we will have to see how that plays out. But really excited for the show. Really glad to have you on here. So don't forget, if you want to call in, 1-800-777-2907. And uh, you can ask us questions directly. You can also tweet me at B-Ball Breakdown and uh, try it that way. Or tune into our Periscope show as well, which is over at the B-Ball Breakdown Periscope channel. And ask some questions there. So looking forward to it. Uh, stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. No flipping. And we'll be right back with our first segment and Mike Zivano. It's the B-Ball Breakdown with Coach Nick on SB Nation Radio. Coming to you live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Coach Nick. I will never get tired of that intro. I love that guy's voice. Uh, I'm digging the doors. Uh, really nice selection there for the intro music. Okay. Uh, we have coming up in about a minute, Mike Zavano. And he is a guy that breaks down X's and O's much like I do. Uh, and he does a lot of it on Twitter. So you got to make sure you follow him. He's over at M. Zavano, there's a G in there though, so Z A V A G N O 11 on Twitter. And he also is a writer for Fear the Sword. Uh, did I say sword? Fear the Sword of, on SBNation.com. So we have a brother from another mother, SBNation Radio, SBNation.com joining us. So let's bring on Mike Zavano and talk some calves. Mike, how's it going? Not too bad, Coach. How are you? I am doing okay. I'm battling a little bit of a cold, but uh, I am going to, like like LeBron has rarely missed a game, I am just you know going to suit up and uh, give, all, give my all. There we go. That's all we can ask for, right? I give 100%. So I'm glad to have you on here because 
What is happening? Uh, the Fire Lou chants are coming out a little bit, aren't they? Yeah, a little bit. Um, I, I'm not really one who necessarily subscribes to that notion. Um, but, you know, there are certainly parts of the fan base who have felt that way for kind of a long time now. Um, I think that a lot of it, um, you know, obviously right now there's a lot of injuries going on uh, that certainly derailed the rotations. And when you're playing, you know, two to three G League guys, it's not really surprising that things are going poorly. Um, but, you know, in terms of the defense, I do think that there is an argument to be made for Ty Lue to take back control of defense. Uh, currently, the defensive coordinator, Mike Longabardi, uh, he used to work for the Suns. He came over with Lou. Uh, when he started and replaced David Blatt. And I think that his schemes have been um, somewhat questionable this season and put the Cavs in a lot of bad positions on that end. Ah, well, let's dig into that for a minute because somewhat questionable is interesting to me. Uh, I take it, are we talking anything about three-point defense? Yeah, I think that uh, certainly part of it, um, I think it stems from some of, the schematic issues that they have is that they end up giving up a lot of wide-open threes. Um, if, you, if you look at the film of the game, the most recent game that they played on Sunday, um, they were double-teaming the post, and I think that this resulted because Larry Nance is you know, you know, 6'9". He might not be 6'9", but he's listed there. Uh, Brooke Lopez, obviously a 7-foot-tall guy. And it seemed like they were fairly worried about that matchup just in terms of Lopez having an advantage in the post. So they kept sending, whether it was George Hill or Jordan Clarkson, kind of down double the post. And their rotations after that, there, there just wasn't a lot going on, on on the backsides there. And so I really don't think, you know, from an expected value proposition, that doubling the post against a guy like Brooke Lopez is a smart move. And it just ends up resulting, you know, even if you have Lonzo Ball taking a wide open three, he's shooting about – you know, 34% on those for the year. So the expected value is still over a point per shot there. And, and on a Lopez post-up, you're looking at about, you know, 0.88 points per shot. So uh, I just don't think that with the math that's the right strategy, but it is one that eventually leads to these open threes. You know, it's a great point. And also, let's not forget, I did a video recently on Lonzo Ball and the Lakers. He's actually shooting like 42% from three over the last, you know, several games, 20-some games he's been playing. So it's not like he's that same guy who couldn't make a basket earlier in the year, and they certainly know that scouting report. So uh, so I guess the issue you're talking about is once you double-team, uh, perhaps one pass away, it's a little easy pass right back out. They can find the open man, and then it's a splash. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, Lonzo Ball, he's shooting – you know, 46% on wide-open threes over his last 14 games. Uh, so, as, as you said, the sample's kind of building up for him in terms of those open looks. But, you know, whether it is the doubling of the post, which has been happening recently, or they, they were in a drop scheme against the pick-and-roll after the trades, and I think that that was just because, you know, nobody really knew what they were doing in terms of the Cavs <laughs> scheme for the, the four new guys. And they've kind of gone back to now more of a, bringing a big up to the level of the ball, potentially in that blitz scenario that they were doing at the, at the beginning of the year. And we saw at the beginning of the year how unsuccessful that was and how the rotations on the backside just you know, haven't been working for them, no matter how often they've tried to guard the pick and roll in that way. And so going back to that scheme is not something that I've really understood, um, but uh, they, they've started to do it a little bit more recently, and that's just another one where you end up getting wide-open threes on the back end. 
Well, he is Mike Zavano of the uh, Fear the Fear the Sword dot com of SB Nation and M Zavano with a G in there and M Zavano eleven on Twitter. I'm Coach Nick, of course, and we are on SB Nation Radio. Mike, um, here's the thing: you think that right now it's not Tyron Lue's um, adjustment to then high hedge and kind of get way out of position on the pick and rolls? No, I'd like to see them, you know, go back to a much more conservative scheme. Uh, a drop scheme against the pick and roll, one that's going to uh, invite fewer rotations uh, on the backside. I'd like to see them try to guard the pick and roll with two guys. Um, you know, we're going to live with giving up a mid-range jumper um, in in my world, and we're just going to you know not have so many guys rotating, especially when you're already thin, uh, just in terms of the injuries that have hit them on this Western Conference swing. Uh, I just don't see the point in putting guys into continuous rotations, especially when they be, might be guarding, you know, out of position, a guy, you know, guarding a position up or a position down just because, you know, you're out there playing guys like John Holland or Jose Calderon who, you know, shouldn't be in an NBA rotation right now, but the injuries have kind of forced their hand. You know, what, what I don't like about um, high hedging anyway is that the big will step out to try and get in the way of the ball handler, and then he's going to try and retreat and run back to find his man, and invariably he ends up screening his own man who's still trying to get around and get to the point guard. Uh, it, it drives me crazy at every level, and it's always you know unclear to me why you see people um, who will do that, who will high hedge or try, you know, blitzing is one thing, but the high hedge thing, it's kind of like, uh, you know, circa 2005 or something, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think so. And I think that, you know, the reason that it first came about for the Cavs is as a Steph Curry specific defense in the finals where they were, you know, blitzing him, trying to get the ball out of his hands. And then they brought it into the regular season this year as kind of like a base scheme. And I, I would assume that the thinking was, at least, is kind of what the Rockets have done with their switch-everything scheme is just, you know, this is what we think works against Golden State. We're going to practice it. We're going to get good at it. So when we have to deploy it in the finals, you know, this is what's going to happen. But a lot of teams don't have the same personnel, obviously, as Golden State. You know, they don't have a guy who's a nuclear three-point shooter like Curry. They don't have a guy in Draymond Green who's not a traditional center who's going to be saying those pick-and-rolls. And so once you start to mess with the personnel across different teams, the strategy just doesn't work as well. And bringing into the season as a base defense was always kind of a baffling move to me and, and one that I think has backfired significantly and is a large reason for why their defense has been so poor. Well, as we wrap this up, the Cleveland Cavaliers are fourth in the conference, only a half game in front of the Wizards, who are in fifth, and only a game and a half in front of the Sixers in sixth. They've lost two in a row, four out of six. What do you think is going to happen as we get to the last, you know, how many, we don't even have, like, what, 15, 16 games left? Right, yeah. I mean, I think that the, the most important thing for the team right now is just getting healthy. Um, I don't really haven't really been taking away much from the games that you know they've been playing without a bunch of these rotation pieces. I think that it's kind of hard to judge them until you get Kevin Love back, and then you'll have a kind of pressure-packed probably 10-game stretch there where you're going to be looking to integrate Love and kind of see how he plays because he hasn't played with any of these new guys. So it's definitely going to be a time crunch for them down the stretch. I don't think that they care as much about you know whether they're in the 4-seed, 3-seed, whatever it's going to be. Um, it's, it's certainly possible that they could, you know, end up in that four or five slot with, uh, Washington. But, you know, I think that for them, it's more about getting Kevin Love back, getting him comfortable and trying to figure out, you know, what the right buttons are to push for the playoffs, playing Love alongside Nance, Thompson, LeBron, whoever it might be in that front court. 
Uh, great point all, and I think that's the really big fear here is what's going to happen with Kevin Love. Obviously, he's going to go back in the starting lineup, and that could very well be uh, a bit of a shock to the system since the other guys have been getting accustomed. But um, I, I take it you think that it's probably going to be pretty smooth? Yeah, I mean, I think that it kind of depends on what uh, they want to do with the starting lineup. I'd like to see them continue to start Nance, start Nance and Love together. And then, you know, if you need to close with Love at the five, you might be able to do that as well. But, you know, just the spacing that Love provides over a guy like, you know, Jetty Osmond, who's been starting, or Jeff Green, who happened to start the other night, like, you're just going to open the floor up so much more. And you're with Love out there, you know, it, it gives you a threat of a post-up guy, which the Cavs haven't had outside of LeBron since he's been hurt. And then you're kind of going to push George Hill and Rodney Hood down a role, which I think that they've been both asked to kind of play you know, up up in terms of usage and up in terms of responsibility, uh, like one role uh, since they've been traded here. So slotting Love in as that second option and kind of pushing both of those guys back into like more tertiary roles, I think is going to work pretty seamlessly on the offensive end. Um, you know, obviously Kevin, Kevin Love brings kind of a more difficulty on the defensive end, but at least getting the offense back to a place where it's kind of humming, I think that that's been a staple of these Cavs playoff runs more so than, you know, some remarkable defense. All righty. Well, thank you so much, Mike. I really appreciate it. He's Mike Zabano. I'm Coach Nick. Uh, this is the B-Ball Breakdown. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. We talk a lot about chemistry on this podcast, how teams get along, what happens when you sign a new guy, and how disruptive that could be. Well, the same concerns exist for those of you in the dating world today, especially with all the apps and sites out there that pretend to be helping you. Random matches, judging by someone's picture, None of these methods were quite like eHarmony, because at eHarmony, they are looking for your perfect match by using years of science, data, and psychological research to send you the right matches. So, this isn't a swipe to the right hookup site, it's a place when you're ready for a meaningful relationship. I couldn't get over how thorough the registration process is, and left no doubt that they'd find a good pool of matches to choose from. Right now, you can get a free month of eHarmony when you sign up for a three-month subscription by entering my code COACH at checkout. Stop waiting and start your journey to a satisfying, meaningful relationship. It can be fun to play around with online dating apps, but when you're ready to fall in love with someone and have a meaningful relationship, there's one app that's built to bring you real love, eHarmony. Come see how eHarmony can change your life. Go to eHarmony.com and get started and enter my code COACH at checkout. Now back to the show. It's the B-Ball Breakdown with Coach Nick on SB Nation Radio. Coming to you live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Coach Nick. Hey, sports fans. What is up? It's Coach Nick. Now, that is like, what, Kid Rock? I have no idea what that music is, but we'll have to get the playlist here at some point. But I'm digging it. Always like a little uh, slide guitar uh, on uh, on a nice uh, Tuesday evening. So glad you can join us on. You know the games aren't that exciting uh, this much uh, tonight. Uh, didn't look like there was anything that exciting going on. But uh, coming up in a minute or two, we have a great guest who's going to talk about some of the best edited NBA storytelling you'll see online, and he deserves many more views uh, because he does some really compelling stuff. So we will have him on in a second, I hope. So uh, as soon as I see that we're good. With that, but um, other than that, the, uh, it was an interesting conversation that we just had with Mike about the Cavs and whether or not they really are going to be a threat. Uh, I suppose even it doesn't really matter what position they do get in the Eastern Conference, but I don't know, man. It's a little bit of a strange look if they get down below, um, you know, that that 
for that third or fourth spot. It's all bunched up. And you know what? The West is also a crazy mismatch down there, too. And it's going to go down to like March, March Madness by the end of the season here. We're going to keep our, our playoff watch and our seeding watch just like we do for the uh, tournament coming up this weekend. So, uh, But let me, uh, let's bring on Emio Tamioni, a.k.a. NBA Storyteller, because I wanted to talk to him about how he comes up with his ideas and how he actually produces these videos. So, Emio, are you with me? I'm here. Coach Nick. Hey, hey, great to have you. How's it going, my man? Very good. I'm, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Great. Well, as you can tell, sports fans out there, you can already hear the distinctive voice, and you might recognize it if you've seen his NBA Storyteller videos, but they're very compelling. Probably the best edited thing I've seen because he really understands uh, how to uh, evoke um, you know, uh, feelings and, and emotions and use music and voiceover, and they're funny. So, Emio, do you have a background in editing? Uh, I've, I've I've been in uh, editing and corporate video uh, marketing for way too long, and mm-hmm. I was I spent a lot of time trying to make people's boring businesses seem interesting. So at one point recently, I figured out I could take these tools that I've been crafting to make very boring topics interesting and sell those silly, boring ideas and put it to something that I actually found an interest in in basketball and tell my own stories. So I took all those tools and years of, of uh, editing and just put them towards something that I thought actually people would be uh, interested in hearing. Well, but yeah. So you're basically describing me because I had the very similar background as well uh, in that way and then we're able to, you know, same idea, use my outlet of what I was passionate about to make these videos. But I missed... Uh, the class where you, <laughs> where they showed you how to do all the interesting tricks of the trade. Uh, you know, you're doing multiple layers. You're doing uh, speed fast. You're actually bringing yourself into the, the the actual process where we can see you sitting at the table while you're doing your voiceover and and, and emoting and actually acting, which is just really uh, compelling stuff. Um, you just had a recent one about John Stockton. I was kind of curious if you can give us some <laughs> insight into how that came about and what that actually what that video was. So this, I'm so glad you brought that up because this was basically the idea that I had the entire time when I was developing the channel, which was to bring myself into it and bring a process into it. Because I don't know, and you have the experience here, in the sports world, people give you final answers. They tell you what to think. They deliver things in a way where it's, that's it. This is the way it is. And people argue, but nobody ever changes their mind. What I wanted to show was a process. And that's basically what these videos are, is a process of discovery. So I may or may not have an idea. I may or may not have an inkling that something is, go- is something is up or something may not be true. And what I want to do is I actually just share the whole process of discovering that. Um, you might see that in other types of uh, channels and other types of uh, uh, video essays, but I hadn't really seen it in basketball. With John Stockton, I grew up watching him. I grew up watching the Bulls and the Jazz. I grew up watching all those early 90s uh, playoff series you know, from my home in Berkeley, California, following the Warriors. Um, but I always had an idea that John Stockton was the, the ideal, perfect point guard. Not flashy, but a pure point guard. And I always assumed that came along with being completely proficient with both hands, left and right, left and right. And I figured you'd see that. It'd be very clear. And I started looking at clips, and it just became very obvious to me that there may be a little bit of uncomfortableness with his left. So I went ahead and made a video 
<laughs> uncovering the idea that John Stockton may not have a left hand. Um, and it's, you know, it's really my story of discovering that, whether it's true or not, and, and laying out all that information about that. Uh, and it's, it's been received, you know, in a lot of different ways and brought up some very good discussions. But um, it's really just my process that I'm sharing, and I want people to kind of draw their own conclusions. Oh, I agree. And, you know, it's interesting because you were charting how many times he actually dribbled his left hand and a lot of the extended highlights you were watching out there. And it, it is startling because, yeah, you don't notice it so much when you're watching it. I was, certainly was at a lot of those games. But he does, at, no matter what, whenever he gets a chance to fall to the right-hand dribble, almost in that same way as another legend, Jerry West, who I've covered before uh, on, a, on a retro breakdown and showed how he really – he really couldn't go left and dribble the left hand at all. At least Stockton will do it one dribble. But you're right, it was startling. And I guess, what does that say about him, that he was still able to be a Hall of Fame guard being that dominant with only one hand? Well, there's two, there's two takes on that. And one, in, it could be a completely defensive take for people who are big fans, is that, well, if he could, didn't have a left hand, that means he must have been even that much better, that he didn't even need a left hand to be that great. The other side of it is, maybe if he did, they could have gone further. I don't know. Maybe that would have opened up a little bit more. I don't know. That's just an option. You never know if somebody had a little bit more what they could have done with it. But I, I, I generally fall to the side of he made a, uh, a terrific career, an all-time great career with what he had. And it wasn't necessarily a hindrance to his game. I mean, he had a very um, – he had a variety, but – it's just something once you start looking at, it starts to make you, make you question uh, what you automatically believe and what you just assume about the NBA and the league. And that's kind of where the entire, the entire channel goes. And some things are a little more consequential than just whether John Stockton had a left hand or not. But uh, I find those interesting little details um, worthy of a, of a video. Absolutely. Well, give us a couple. Give us an example of other things you're talking about that have been maybe even more of a in the in the conscious of our society. Uh, in sort of subjects you've made uh, videos on. There, there's a fun one I did recently, which is uh, it was about <laughs> Dominique Wilkins. And I feel like he's in his own personal kind of hell right now because every interview that is done with him, they bring him back to the dunk contest in losing to Michael Jordan. And then losing to Spud Webb. And they ask the same questions. And watching him in all these interviews, he has the same answer and he puts on a good face. But you can almost see the, the fire behind his eyes to just get, get past it and move on. But he's very professional about it. And I just like watching that because we're still holding him in that personal hell uh, with every single interview he's done up until, you know, last week. Um, the other one that I found pretty interesting was Michael Jordan myths legends the legends of michael jordan and you know there how many there are hundreds of articles and lists dedicated to michael jordan's 75 most savage moments or you know seven reasons why he's a uh the biggest competitor or something like that and there's one on there that just always it bothered me and it was that michael jordan uh apparently had he ended Muggsy Bogues career after a pretty common insult on the court during the playoffs in one year in 95 I believe and apparently calling him something particular ended his career and you can find this story everywhere 
Mm-hmm. And they all in the same way. After he said those words on the court, and you can find those, you just do a quick little search, Muggsy Bogues was never the same, and his career essentially over. It doesn't, these days, luckily, it doesn't take that much time or effort to actually find the truth behind this stuff, but people just don't do it, because in sports, you, the, the burden of, of proof for your story is very low. As long as it sounds good, it spreads, and people think it's fun. But I want to dig into that. And certainly you have. I, I remember I was actually at that dunk contest between Dominique and Michael. And I obviously grew up as a Bulls fan, and you know I didn't see anything wrong in Michael as a hero. But you know if there was social media back then, that's, we were all saying that, that he was robbed of the title that year. Michael did two free throw line dunks. And so it kind of was like you right. kind of shouldn't be able to get away with that, right? You should you know have another dunk in your, up, up your sleeve. Um, and, you know, I, I think I actually at the time was maybe still willing to, uh, to defend Michael. But you're right. It's definitely an interesting situation how kids today and, and maybe how the information is shaped isn't accurate. And that's why I love watching your stuff. And if you're out there, you have to check out his channel over on, the, on YouTube. It's the NBA Storyteller. Uh, it won't be hard to find when you look it up, and you'll see a lot of terrific stuff. So um, I can't thank you enough for uh, coming on I and mean, joining us and sharing your thoughts. Coach Nick, you are a great man and inspiration. I watch you all the time and always will. Thank you very much for your time. You got it. Thank you, and we will talk to you soon. And uh, there, that is Emio, and uh, he also told me he wanted to make sure people knew that it's the best basketball channel that you've never heard of, and he's also a guy who believes Manu Bowl should be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> so chew on that one while we go to break, uh, and we will have another great segment coming up with Dave Dufour, my partner in crime. So don't go anywhere. Join us on Periscope and right here at the B-Ball Breakdown. It's the B-Ball Breakdown with Coach Nick on SB Nation Radio. Coming to you live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Coach Nick. Um, I am back. It is Coach Nick. Welcome to the B-Ball, <laughs> the B-Ball Breakdown. I'm, you can't tell I'm suffering uh, from some sort of weird cold I woke up with. I might have eaten too much sugar having not usually eating sugar. So it's that much of a uh, of a, of a of a terrible thing to eat. So stop eating sugar, everybody. It makes you sound like I do. Kind of like a 65-year-old you know, woman who smoked for 50 of those years. But I'm back. I'm pushing through it. And uh, I'm going to get a little pick-me-up from my partner in crime, Dave Dufour, who is at Dave Dufour NBA. You can find him all over the place, like on my podcast once a week at least. And also, um, you know, everywhere else online with him, he'll tell you all about it. So Dave Dufour, are you there with us, my man? I am here. You, you sound terrible. I know, I know. Don't sugarcoat it, man. <laughs> I think I sounded better at the beginning of the show, but, you know, this is now, you know, 40 minutes in. So we got to talk. And uh, you know what? I'm not even sure we got even organized with what we want to talk about. No, we didn't. Okay. Well, we got, I can tell you what we can't talk about. We can't talk about the Cavs, and we can't talk about um, how John Stockton had no left hand. So other than that, and we can't talk about the Rockets because we talk about them all the time. So let's jump into something in the Eastern Conference. What do you say? Yeah, how about Philadelphia as a potential Eastern Conference Finals team? I'm talking myself into this. 
<laughs> okay, well, right now they're sixth. They're 12 and a half games out of first, and they are a game behind the fifth spot and a game and a half behind the fourth spot. So um, what will it take? What's the matchup you think is going to get them there? Well, I mean, I, I feel like they've got an easier schedule uh, left. I think I read that somewhere. Now I'm going into a little bit of uh, presidential speak. Um, but uh, they're, they're actually playing the Pacers right now, so they can make up some space there. I, I really think that, that they've got a, a good shot at being uh, having home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs for sure. And um, they're trending upward, which is really nice, especially for a team that was looking kind of tired a couple weeks ago. Um, six and four in their last ten, but you know uh, they've they've been doing some things lately that I think that you are also a fan of. Um, I really like the ball movement. I'm loving Bellinelli and Ilyasova and what they're bringing to that team, and the experience factor. You know, you can never underrate that. Um, even if they are in the bottom half of the of the Eastern Conference, I think that they're a threat to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. You know, I was a little bit shocked, and I, I had been disconnected for some reason, but when I saw that Trevor Booker got cut uh, several days ago, um, I was shocked about that. He went to Indiana, and I think he asked for it because, to me, I thought that was a great pickup for them. High energy, he's going to play defense, he's going to you know get putbacks. Uh, so that was shocking to me, but I guess perhaps they want Ilya Silva getting those minutes? Yeah, I think they, they like the way he stretches the floor. Um, and, and he works next to Sarge. He works next to Simmons. He works next to Embiid. I just think it's a little bit more flexible. He can play next to Amir Johnson when he's out there. Um, and, and I think that uh, they, they were looking to give uh, Rashawn Holmes more of those backup five minutes as well. Yeah, and that, and he deserves them. And that's what I like about this team is that they're actually going to develop that and let you know a guy like him because he can give you the same kind of effort and energy that Booker does. And in the long run, you'll probably be better off. He might have a higher upside, and I, I you know that's that's a great move by them. I and mean, they always seem to be dedicated toward giving those younger guys and not picking up like uh, you know like the Kurt Thomases of the NBA and like shoving him in there and giving them twenty minutes a game. Yeah. And then uh, my other my other thing that I've been kind of noticing lately, the Bucks have quite a bit. First of all, I think that they're a scary first round matchup for for whoever they play. Uh, they're currently the seventh seed, which means you know it'd, it'd be a matchup with the Celtics. They could drop to the eighth seed very easily and be a matchup with the Raptors. Um, I think it's a scary matchup for anyone just because of Giannis and that factor. Uh, but they've got a little bit of that. Mark Jackson, Golden State Warriors going on. I think they really need uh, a system coach to come in, implement a solid, uh, you know, an offense that's based on solid offensive principles will go a long way with this roster. Um, we might see them next year being very, very potent. Are, are you are you seeing some of the same things I'm seeing? For sure. I mean, we've been we've been complaining all year long about the offense and how it's not really letting Giannis uh, maximize his potential. Which, by the way, is a silly thing to say because the dude is averaging like whatever twenty seven and ten and whatever all sorts of stuff. So it, it almost is crazy when we say that. But there's a certain amount of gravity that he could um, he could pull and then make other te- his teammates better as well and make the whole thing function better. And I guess we're not going to blame Prunty because you know, he can't do anything in the middle of the year like this. Uh, as a interim head coach, so you think they're going to, you know, they're going to clear the decks, get a whole new coaching staff? I, I think so. I think if Prunty had come in and really knocked, the, you know, knocked it out of the park, 
maybe they ride with him. But it's been very, it's been more down than up, uh, aside from the little bump right after Jason Kidd left. And that was a little bit of fool's gold. I mean, it was a, they were playing like a real garbage schedule at that point. Um, so, yeah, I would expect not only that they're going to bring in a new coaching staff, but they are going to have some really big names attached, look to make a, a flashy hire. And, uh, you know, I, I hope that they, that they fill the job with someone that fits that, that roster really well, or at least will come in and alter what they do to fit that roster. You know, I'm looking at their five-man lineup data right now, so let's get some stats out here. Uh, and Most of their top uh, played one, two, three, four, five, six, seven lineups are all plus, you know, in net rating. Uh, their starters are plus 8.9, and the next most played, which is Giannis Bledsoe, uh, oh, Malcolm Brogdon. Do we know when Malcolm Brogdon's coming back? Um, I would imagine if, he, if, he, if he's healthy, he'll be back, you know, maybe a week before the playoffs start. Yeah. But... Well, that's the guy. I think he's the key to everything. I think I got a problem with Bledsoe. Um, I don't think Bledsoe is the guy that you can have on a team that's going to get to like the conference finals. I think he makes too many mistakes offensively for all the stuff he does that's good. Uh, and defensively, there are times when he gets just kind of lost. So you need the guy like Brogdon, in my mind, uh, if you're going to make that deep run. Yeah, I think that Brogdon, what he brings to that team, you know, as far as Size and stretching the floor, I think it's important. Um, and I would love to see what that team looked like with a with a, an actual big point guard. I mean, Bledsoe plays bigger than he is, but um, you know he is six one. Yeah. So, uh, and and you know I, again, I want to see what this team looks like with a with a coach that implements a system. I, I, I just want to see it. We're getting a lot of you know contested mid range twos for. Uh, Jabari Parker and for uh, Eric Bledsoe, and that's just not good process. You know, never mind the result. Um, so let's see what it looks like next year. I mean, I hate to say that because the playoffs haven't even started yet, but I just can't imagine this team playing the way that they do, making a big dent in the playoffs. I think they they might look scary in the first round, uh, but ultimately, I think that they you know they flame out in the first round. I hear you. Now, I look at the last 15 games uh, of the net rating of the starters, and that's actually a, a really bad negative 10.8 when you got Giannis, Bledsoe, Henson, Middleton, and Snell. And they played more minutes than anybody else in more games. So that is certainly a red flag when your most played lineup is negative. I mean, they're getting blown out almost uh, every game. And uh, you can't expect to make a run of the playoffs that way. Yeah, I agree. And, and, you know, with the 76ers, you've got the opposite thing. You've got, you know, their most played lineup is one of the best lineups in the league. And it's getting better. Um, you know, there was the big knock on Ben Simmons was without Embiid, he, he, you know, the lineup data didn't support him making a positive impact. And he has, in the last two months, really changed the, that completely. That conversation is gone now. Um, Embiid off the court and Simmons on is now a positive. And you can see that. You know, it passes the eye test, not just the statistics test. You can see they look more comfortable out there. I love how Sarich has been playing for them lately. Um, again, I, I really think that, and I didn't even think they would make the playoffs this year. I thought, you know, they maybe maybe they fight for an eight seed. Um, they have surpassed even my wildest expectations for them. 
Really? I mean, I was hoping that obviously when you got Embiid, and we were all had no idea how many games he was going to play, but certainly, uh, you know, with Embiid out there for however many games he's played, that that was seemed to be a regular, a, a certain an, an expectancy, I would think. I think the thing that killed them was Markel Fultz. Uh, it, had he played anywhere near what they would have expected him to do, then they're probably fourth in the conference anyway, right? Well, and do you remember what we said at the beginning of the season? We said that if they were a top four seed, Joel Embiid should be an MVP candidate if he played sixty five games. Yeah, I remember that. And how many yeah. games is he going to get? So, so we, have to, we have to check that. Uh, I guess is the next step. Yeah, I'm going to look because <laughs> I'm not even sure what he's played so far. It's a lot. Uh, like they didn't, have, they didn't have a so ton far. of back to backs. Yeah, he played fifty four games so far. Um, okay. I, I believe he's going to win Defensive Player of the Year. Okay. I do think that that's, that that's going to happen. Uh, 23 points, about 11 rebounds a game. Um, yeah, uh, it, it's pretty good. I think he's, he's anchoring like the number six defense, and they are incredible when he's on the court. Incredible. Absolutely. Yeah, oh, they are. And then yeah, and this is quickly, like, Simmons on the court, it's a little bit noisy because he might be with Embiid as well, but his net rating is plus 5.2, and when he's on the bench, it's negative 2.3. So there's a seven-point swing there uh, when he's on versus off. So these guys got to stay healthy, which you know every we seen the, every indication is that they will. Um, and it's really exciting. I like the way they built this team. So, yeah, this is one of those moments where you never want to be like the sixth or the fifth seed, right, and get stuck in purgatory. But this is one of those moments where we just know that they're just passing through on their way to greater and greater things. Absolutely, absolutely. So anything else you see in the Eastern Conference that uh, kind of catches your eye? we got the Celtics now with uh, Marcus Smart going down. Uh, and I don't. I guess is this going to be the, their fizzle-out moment as well? Well, you know, everyone is hurt for the Celtics tonight. Um, they, they, they've got Horford hurting, Marcus Smart hurting, uh, Kyrie Irving out with a knee. Uh, Daniel Tice is out. He, he's out for the season with the knee surgery. Uh, Jalen Brown with the concussion from that big fall the other night. Um, oh, that's horrible. It is, it is, I mean, the Ides of March have hit the Boston Celtics, and, man, it is, it is a rough time for that to happen. Um, you know, they're, they're not firmly ensconced in the two-seed yet. Um, I do think that ultimately they will pull it out, but, you know, they've – well, actually, no, wait a second. Sorry, I was looking at the wrong number. No, they've got a seven-game lead. Okay, yeah. so they they are firmly in the two seed. Ignore everything I just said a second ago, <laughs> um, and and so I wouldn't be shocked if if we see them doing some systematic shutdown. Um, you know, Horford is out sick. Uh, I'm sure that they're going to want to get him some rest ahead of the playoffs. Uh, Marcus Smart with this torn you know tendon or, or ligament in his thumb. You know, that's obviously a concern and. Expect I would expect Kyrie to maybe play half the games that are remaining this year because this left knee has, has popped up as an issue yet again. So um, I'm sure they're going to want him to rest that going into the playoffs. I hear you. Well, Dave, awesome segment. I can't thank you enough for joining us again, and we'll have you, we'll be back on the podcast pretty soon. So make sure everyone follows Dave over at Dave Dufour NBA, and uh, and we'll be sharing more of our comments across there. So Dave, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, there you have it, sports fans, and there's no flipping as we will come back for our final segment coming up in a few minutes, but I can't thank you enough for joining us on this fantastic hour with a lot of great guests and a lot of great stuff coming on. We've got more coming up, so don't forget, I'm Coach Nick, and this is the B-Ball Breakdown. 
It's the B-Ball Breakdown with Coach Nick on SB Nation Radio. Coming to you live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Coach Nick. Hey, sports fans. What is up? It is Coach Nick, and we had an, a, fan, a fantastic show. Uh, some really great guests. We had Mike Zavano on, who talked about the Cavs. We had um, Emio Tamioni, who is uh, the NBA storyteller. Great stuff there on John Stockton's inexistent. Uh, in no, is that the word? Uh, non-existent left hand. And then Dave before broke down some of the key Eastern Conference matchups we're talking about uh, right now. So great show. Um, Brandon Jennings is back. Who knew? That was a big shocker. I hadn't heard anything about that. And you know what? He looked pretty good. He really did. Um, who knows if that's one of those, uh, he's all rare to go and everyone else is beat up and he's got extra energy, that's, which will dissipate as the games come back. But uh, we shall see. That was a nice pickup for them. Um, and uh, it actually brings up the Toledovic thing. They cut him uh, from the Bucks, And that's the scary thing because he's one of those kind of guys that if you pass it to him, he is going to shoot it. And I might even do a video on those kind of players who um, you got to be careful when you pass it to them. Guys like Nick Young. Uh, remember Eddie House? He was like that. Uh, you got to be careful when you pass it and where because you know when that pass gets there, that shot is going up no matter what and no matter how far. So uh, that's probably what they were getting maybe fed up with. Plus, he was also injury prone and wasn't giving them much. So Brandon Jennings, great to see um, what else do we have here? We have uh, a great slate of games coming up this week, so make sure you stay tuned to the schedule over um, on the NBA because I saw a couple games. Tonight was kind of a blah, but we do have, uh, let's see here. Um, oh, yeah, we have a Wizards and Celtics game tomorrow, which I kind of want to keep my eye on. And then that's about it. I don't think the Lakers and Golden State are going to be that exciting, although Golden State's been a little bit slushy these days. They've lost some games. They haven't looked like themselves, so it's a concern. So keep your eye on that. And then on Thursday, we have the uh, an NBA TV game. So we don't even have um, – we don't have the TNT because, guess what, they're busy with March Madness. And so I will be all over that once I get back. I will be tweeting the games, though, and trying to do as much as I can from the road. And then when I get back on Monday, I'll definitely try and get whatever great game happened on that Sunday. I'll, I'll try and break that one down. Uh, the NBA TV national game on Thursday night, though, is uh, the Clippers at uh, the Rockets, which... Ah, who knows? The Clippers are a bit of a surprise, so that could be interesting. And then other than that, um, you have an interesting thing with the surprise team of the Pacers. So the Raptors are visiting the Pacers. So uh, this is a fantastic show. Don't miss everything that's going up on B-Ball Breakdown. i got a couple good videos coming up for you. And uh, don't miss that, especially, especially one that's talking about three-point shooting and whether or not we should cut them out a little bit. So I can't wait to drop that. It's about halfway through, maybe a little bit more. Uh, it's going to be a good one. So follow me on B-Ball Breakdown. Find me on YouTube at B-Ball Breakdown. And don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, not a channel, we're a conversation. You win, 